Dan. Yes. Easily, I approach. The microphone. Because I ain't no joke. Hmm. Tell your mama to get off of my tip because you don't have time. I No, I have no time to give her my dick. Mm. So I'm going to hold it and walk across the stage. Yes. But if you fuck up, let me guess, you're going to get your gauge. That's right. I'm going to unload the barrel and laugh because, yes. because I am putting lead in your motherfucking ass. Mine? Yes. Yes. Your oh. motherfucking ass. Excellent. Psychopathic mm-hmm. because the hoes are attractive. But yes. when I am on hard, yes. my d- is it a yard? Is at least a yard. At least. <laughs> Bare minimum. Bare minimum. <laughs> I wish I, I that's that's where my I I can't remember any lyrics. <laughs> I'm surprised I could even get that far in it. <laughs> so when we were young, very young, on the mean streets of South County, yeah, in St. Louis, the mean we, streets of Melville. Yeah, which is like the whitest, safest, blue-collar, boring-ass suburb in St. Louis. Rap really wasn't a thing, you know, that we were aware of that wasn't penetrating our consciousness. But we had a friend named Bob, Bobby, and uh, he had a brother, and apparently his brother had a tape of N.W.A. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean like an album that he bought because you couldn't buy it in St. Louis. It didn't exist. There was no, he had a, a, like a mixtape, like like a label, and it was N.W.N.W.A. written on it. And he also had uh, Easy 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 Does, does it. it. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I was talking to somebody about that the other day about my recollection of of music and like because you know everybody I think has some amount of music that shapes who they are like everyone has that one band that you listen to at that one point in your life that and i think a lot of people have that band that kind of defined them for me it was guns and roses mm-hmm. when i was going through some really bad points in my life you know i my parents had a fairly large yard uh, somewhere between half and full acre i mean it's a pretty big yard and it was on a hill and we had the they had cherry tree we did. We actually had a, we had cherry trees, we had apple trees, we had pear trees, uh, peach trees. And uh, I used to go down behind these, uh, up from all the fruit trees, were these two gigantic box elder trees. Mm-hmm. And I would just lie on the hill behind these box elders. It was like this nice kind of slope where you could look up and see all the stars and such. And I, I had my little Walkman or whatever. And I would play one of the three main Guns N' Roses albums that, you know, were around then, which was uh, Appetite for Destruction, Use Your Illusions 1 and 2. And then I ended up getting Lies and such later, but I, I would listen to those three. And so I still to this day associate Guns N' Roses with those really difficult points in my life, right? And there's, there's other bands that I associate with different points in my life where I remember getting through a period of my life because there was this one song or this one band or this one album that I listened to a lot, but really the one that kind of got me through the roughest parts of childhood and adolescence was Guns N' Roses. But I have a very, very positive memory mm-hmm. of gangster rap. Absolutely. And, and which is why to this day, because when, when we heard it, you know, 
country music was kind of big, and then the, the sort of rock, like Van Halen type rock, yeah, was the, really big. Well, the classic and rock type, arena rock. Yeah. Type. It, it was introduced to us when we were in junior high, so a lot of it was he said sort of you know stuff. But the artistry of it kind of filtered in as we grew up and we're still listening to it. But no one told us, well, you shouldn't be listening to this music because well, that came later. Well, well, and also part of it. So there, there was at a point where it became rebellion. No, no, what, no, no. Because it, it was never rebellion for us because we were introduced to it before other people. Oh, God. And well, not okay, to well, sound hipster here, but just by the nature of how we happened to get it from our friend's yeah. older brother. Well, sure, sure. We were listening to it and we enjoyed it and we didn't You know. didn't seek it out because someone right. told you it was bad. Well, and and also keep in mind that like the Guns N' Roses I was listening to, Walkman. No one had any idea right. what I was listening to. And with the gangster rap, which once goes mostly NWA's straight out of Compton right. and then Easy 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 does it, we would listen to those. I would go over to Chad's house. We would walk down to like a grocery store to Blockbuster, rent a two player Nintendo game, you know, like rent a Nintendo it, at times. Yeah, yeah, at times. And then we would go back to Chad's house and we would put those rap tapes in. Mm-hmm. And we were typically the only two there because, right. you know, his parents had a lot of obligations and work stuff and whatever. Mm-hmm. So once again, nobody heard it. And so to me, that's what I free associate gangster yeah. rap with, which is why to this day, I mean, I did end up picking up some rap that came along later, like, you know, Biggie Smalls mm-hmm. and Tupac and, you know, whatever. And then I some things that I hadn't been exposed to back then, like Ghetto Boys, South Central Cartel. Etc. Etc. Got hook but, you into some Black Star. Well, see, but here's the thing: to this day, and I don't know if it's musical taste I would have had simply because of nature, right. or if it's because since we grew up with that old school gangster rap, if yeah. it's the nurture of that. But I still, I mean, I can appreciate other forms sure. of rap, but to this day, the gangster rap from kind of the mid to late eighties through about the mid nineties, mm-hmm. that's still, that's my thing, right? right? That that's where my heart's at. And which is why if anyone looks at my forum SIGs, they're almost always rap lyrics. Right. And when I'm on Facebook, I'm posting rap videos. A lot of times when people ask something and I give kind of a strange sounding response, I'm quoting a rap song. <laughs> Uh, it's also why I'm looking forward. I, I know it's out now, and I'm looking forward to eventually picking up a copy of the Luke Cage soundtrack. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, that had some great... And some of it was newer. You know, like the, right. the uh, Jadena's Long Live the Chief. Long Live the Chief. Yeah, I mean, that that's past year or two or three. The, the album that that goes on is not even out yet. He just has a bunch of singles. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I knew it was recent. I didn't know it was that recent. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and then, of course, some of it was like, old school but new like because they have method man in there and he, and he does a freestyle he does a freestyle yeah. so it's brand new but of course method man was, do you think your wu-tang sword can defeat me yeah he was a <laughs> member of the wu-tang clan so for anyone who doesn't know who method man was if you've heard of the wu-tang clan he was one of the rappers in that group and he does a freestyle called bulletproof love which it's, it's so neat to hear yeah. because it's this total collision of worlds right because you got to put yourself back In the late 80s to early 90s, superheroes, comic books, these are not mainstream. You know, they are super nerdy. 
people probably know who Superman is, but you don't admit to liking him. You go to something like Iron Man, they don't even know who you're talking about. And so it was so far out of the mainstream culture. And then you listen to the song Bulletproof Love, where Method Man is doing a freestyle rap that's set in. It is from the first person perspective as if Method Man lived in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And he's rapping about the realities of you know what you would expect from a gangster rapper the rough life on the streets but he's talking about heroes for hire and iron man and luke yeah, cage I, and what what use is iron man to him yeah he's knocking alien heads around and stuff but that's, they've got problems in harlem yeah they got they got being ignored. street level problems right. in harlem and and but he talks about that mm-hmm. in the song right mm-hmm. he raps about that and it's just kind of it, i tell you coming from a background where these two worlds could not have been farther apart it is. It was so. I don't even know what the word is here. It was. It was so vindicating. I, I don't know what word I'm looking to, for. Have you ever listened to Deltron Thirty Thirty? Yes, I, yeah. I've listened actually Deltron in a few of his iterations. Deltron the Funky Homo. Yeah, Deltron. Del Del the Funky Homo Sapien. Yeah. I've listened to him in a few of his iterations. There was a Deltron song that I liked. I can't remember the name sure. of it off top of my head. It used to get cycled a lot back when it was launch cast. Yeah. Before Yahoo bought it and then became Launch, and now I don't know what it's called. But it used to be LaunchCast, which was an independent group, which I still think had the best music service I've ever had. But it's long, long gone. But there was a song on there that specifically was from the yeah. Deltron 3030 iteration so, of Dell. So what Deltron 3030 is, it's a guy named Del the Funky Homo Sapien. And then he has these DJs, uh, Kid Koala and Dan the Automator. Uh, doing the the musical backing for it, and it is a themed hip hop, and the theme is it's the year thirty thirty, and they have time travel and aliens and yeah. space colonies and like he they, he does a rap <laughs> battle song where it is a rap battle like gladiatorial combat, and he's using like music weapons to fight aliens yeah. with six arms well, and stuff. And it's and, crazy too yeah, because it, it, really it was he did it as if. You know, the, like Chad said, the science fiction reality was the reality. And now that's that's right up my alley because yeah. I, one of my favorite things about gore is the gore mythology. Right. Yeah. Right. And it was kind of cool. As you sit here in your gore t shirt. Yeah. Because, I mean, now there's a more modern style of rap, which is nerdcore, mm-hmm. where they. Like MC Chris, et cetera. Yeah, right. yeah. And I'm not really into nerdcore because it's not that it's bad. I mean, it's fine. It's totally fine. It's fun. It, it, it's very fun, but it is really trying too hard to me. Uh, I, to I have to agree core. with you insofar as I, I was listening. I, I got it. What I felt was a pretty good sample of them because there was this thing where I do like chap hop though. They, uh, they were, <laughs> that sounds like an adult film. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were talking t- about, uh, Alex Trebek mm-hmm. because Alex Trebek, he had someone on jeopardy, and she said one of her, because, you know, he talks to all the contestants. Mm-hmm. And she said that one of her interests was nerdcore rap, and he had never heard of this. And so he's like, what mm-hmm. is nerdcore? And she's like, well, it's people rap about this and this and this. And Trebek's like, so basically losers. <laughs> and Wow. Yeah. And and so what happened was, like, all these people that are in nerdcore. So the internet showed up. Yeah, so basically <laughs> every rapper on the, the internet showed up. The hacker named 4chan. showed up. <laughs> and they did a big group response song to that. Mm-hmm. And I will have to say that 
in terms of their actual ability sure. to rhyme. Just, mm-hmm. just their ability, their flow, the, right? The ability to be a lyricist, right? Mm-hmm. They were. Good. Is that a is that a stat in the rap role playing game? Yes, flow is a very Absolutely. important stat for my character. Absolutely. Well, right. and Biggie Smalls yeah. talked about it because in his freestyle, what is it? he said his flow, his <laughs> his slow flow, and I think they were using phase rip because he specifically <laughs> described his his slow flow as remarkable. He didn't say it was like a seventeen eighteen. He specifically said it was remarkable. So I assume that he was on like a phase rip thing. <laughs> and, and, but the, the the point being, though, that while their technical abilities mm-hmm. as rappers were great, the the beat, mm-hmm. the, the track that was laid down behind yeah. it, it was, of course, it was like a sampling. bit. It was the 8-bit sampling of like Pac-Man dying or something like that. And they had the have the whole eight bit, you know, and it was like, come on, you know, yeah. I, I I give it. I like said, that's the thing. It's it, well, so when you have hip hop, you have the the MC is at front. He's the one who's doing the rap. It's not rap. It's hip hop. And in hip hop, you have an MC and a DJ typically. To, yeah, generally. To generally. So you have the MC is up front, and he is doing what is essentially street poetry. He is doing poetry that is about X, Y, and Z, and it is delivered in a flow that, you know, kind of rolls off, and and instead of, like, singing where you're kind of keeping with beats, it's more of a, it's it's like a river that just kind of flows off of you. The DJ, on the other hand, this gets to the point of why... The nerdcore thing, I don't really like it. And what you're saying here is that the DJ takes music, usually records, is how it you know kind of came about. Mm-hmm. And they are playing the backbeat, which is the beat that didn't, 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 that, that kind of keeps it going. But they're also doing what is called the breaks. And it's like, these are the breaks. And a break is you have a song, and the song is like four minutes long. But there's... 30 seconds that's really awesome maybe it's like a chorus or maybe it's like a, some power chords in a rock man or maybe it's like this really clever sort of set of horns from a r&b thing or maybe it's like this sort of jazz drum that's going really good and and as a dj you're listening to that, like man i love that song but man that is awesome but it's only in there for a few seconds well what if i break that out what if I break that out and then I turn that into the music? I put it on loops. I, I mess with the sound a bit. I extend it out. I do things with it. I put other beats in there. And then I make this backing that is this sort of elaborate quilt of that. Yeah. And what Nerdcore is doing, what Dan's talking about, is that it is taking those breaks from Pac-Man music or Mega Man music or, or things like that. So when people listen to it, it hits a nostalgia button. That is really good, but for people like me, and uh, what I assume Dan's talking about, it is tinny, 8-bit, it, it's MIDI too on music. The nose. It's yeah. like, I agree with what Chad said. I think they're trying too hard to fit the nerd stereotype. I wouldn't even say archetype, or I'm going to say stereotype right. here. And, you know, they're selling hard. Yeah, they're, they're selling the nerd thing so hard. Where it's like, you know, if you guys would just take that out, and it's their art, they can do whatever the hell they sure, want. absolutely. But if, in my opinion... Yeah, if, this is just opinion. If they would so. take that out and just use much more standard song samples and drum beats and mm-hmm. things like that, 
to me, it would feel a whole lot more natural. And I'm sure some of them do. I am not an expert on nerdcore rap. I just heard enough of it to right. have a, a surface level opinion, I guess mm-hmm. is what I would say. I couldn't sit down with somebody and go round for round on, well, this artist, that artist, this artist, that artist. And you know what? I'm sure that there's nerdcore out there that is phenomenal that I'm just not exposed to. Yeah. And I would not have any problem being exposed to it. And and once I can't play it here because I don't have any way right now mixing (laughs) sound from the computer. Or getting clearances. Or getting clearances. Yeah, or getting the copyright to do this. But. When when we're done with this, I'll play for you guys. And we'll the, link this in the show notes. Yeah, we'll link in the show notes both what Trebek said and then also the nerdcore rap response, which is a great high-level sampling yeah. of literally something like two or three dozen artists mm. because it's like all of them came together to basically, yeah. you know, spit back at him and be like, what's your problem? You know, you're, yeah. you're being an idiot. So what, 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 what exactly is this right now? Cause we didn't introduce anything. We didn't, I, I think this, we just kind of hit record. So Dan could rap and, you know, right. I, I think this is going to be a highly censored bonus episode yeah. to be honest, because this was not even vaguely the topic we had in mind, but I, I think that's what this is mm-hmm. going to be as a, a highly censored bonus episode. Okay, well, let mostly me ask, because the amount of obscenities. Let me ask you this, Dan. Sure. What are your top three pieces of hip hop? These can be albums, artists, or songs, but just three. I'm going to give picks. you my, okay. I'm going to give you my top three artists: uh, Biggie Smalls, mm-hmm. Ghetto Boys, mm-hmm. and who am I going to pick? There's a bunch of them that would tie for th- third here. So, oh, so this is a like number one. With a bullet, ha ha ha, is Biggie Smalls. It is go- probably going to be Biggie Smalls. Because he was shot. Because <laughs> he was shot multiple times. And the Ghetto Boys, which to the best of my knowledge, all three of them are still alive. And unlike my wife, he did not make it. No, no he no. did not make it. But his slow, flow, his slow flow was remarkable. <laughs> but that's Endurance the only was remarkable. Yeah. <laughs> Endurance was his dump stats. So they just... I'll let you know, Bards. That's what happens when you're stat. Memory can't sing, but she can take six bullets. She yep. can. She's um, tough. If I, was, I wouldn't mess with her. If I was to pick a third one, you know, I there's it would be so hard because there's so many. NWA right. was good. EZ was good. But I'm going to go for a somewhat, a little bit more esoteric of a pick here and say MC8, including the groups he was involved in, because I think he was also in uh, Compton's Most Wanted mm-hmm. and a couple other groups like that. Yeah. But I mean, uh, it's that's a tight third. Does uh, a tight pack of third? Mm-hmm. I mean, I could give you so many artists that I really enjoy that I I wish I could put in the top three. But if you, I had to get a third, it would be either MC8 or actually another kind of outside pick would be too short. Mm. I mine would have to be I. Okay, so I'm really into history. I love history. Sure. I will have to pick African Bombada as my number one mm-hmm. because he is, you can't even say he's the godfather of rap. He, without African Bombada taking all the pieces and putting it all together, you would not have rap. Uh, you would not have hip hop. And uh, there are some really good African Bombada like 
hip hop out sure, there. It'd be it's like so old school. There, there's questions to whether we would have rock and roll if it had not been for Fats Domino. Right, right. And it's much the same thing. So. Yeah. This, so this guy, Afkin Bombada, right? He had a gang in New York called the Zulu Nation. Mm-hmm. And he they did street parties and he was huge into music, right? So he pulled together these street parties and he had the biggest speakers on the block. I mean, rattling windows and stuff. They'd take over basketball courts and he had this record collection. Like they say, I mean, thousands, thousands and thousands of, of vinyl records. He was just, that music was his jam and he play them. Well, you also at the same time you had like street poets and such, and you had like a lot of uh, uh, urban street poets and like and sort of slam dis- poets, slam poets, disc poetry, and that sort yeah. of thing. And he would do these parties. Well, you needed he felt you needed an MC. You need somebody who's like, okay, let's get the dance going, and you know, up there and, and really going with it. Well, he started getting these MCs to get the crowds going, and then he would play the the music. He had these turntables, and then he would start doing instead of just putting a record on, and letting it play. He would start playing with it. He would start playing with the sounds and he would start like going back and forth between turntables and he would kind of stop and he'd just do sort of the early DJing stuff. And pulling this all together, African Bombada and the Zulu Nation, he took his gang and he's like, yeah, all this crime crap is a bunch of bullshit. We're going to be all about dance and clubs and music. And he converted his entire gang into a musical powerhouse. Huh. And it is really amazing. And he has this album called uh, uh, African Bombada and the Search of the Perfect Beat. And it is, it, the guy is just a genius. I would love to walk up to him and say, hi, I'm a white boy from St. Louis who grew up in a really, really safe sort of area. <laughs> and I want you to know how much hip hop means to me. You know, <laughs> if you want to see something that I think kind of illustrates how those worlds came together, but it mm-hmm. does it in an after-the-fact sort of way. It, it doesn't yeah. show you in history, but you can see those influences. You can see the influence of the street party. Mm-hmm. You can see the influence of the MC, both being someone that excited the crowd, but also being someone that threw in some lyrics and poetry. You can see the involvement of the music. You can see all those elements come together. I'll link this in the show notes as well. There's a video uh, that there was a song by DJ Cool called Let Me Clear My Throat. Mm -hmm. And he has a version of it where he brought in, uh, I think it was Dougie Fresh and uh, Bismarcky. And he brought in a couple other hip-hop artists. And they have an old-style, this video is like an old-style street slam. But it's, it's done, you know after the fact of of hip-hop music existing. But you can still see all of those influences there under one roof and in one video, you know, interacting with each other and how they all sort of come together. But, I mean, Chad, in terms of our musical taste, that is something that, that I think definitely is distinct between us is m- both of us got our start with, Late eighties, early nineties, yeah. gangster Hardcore, rap, and pretty drugs much, and killing and sex, yeah. gangster rap. And what happened was once <laughs> I got a hold of of launch and Pandora and all this mm-hmm. stuff, was I just started getting introduced to all of these other acts and albums and whatever that I had simply never heard of. Right. Whereas you kind of migrated off of gangster rap mm-hmm. into stuff that is, 
I mean, well, all, like well, con- consciousness rap. Well, let me call it for what it is. It, it's it's higher brow. I mean, mm-hmm. to be honest, it's higher brow than yeah. what I listen to. Uh, I mean, stuff like uh, Black Delicious, my number two. Yeah, by the way. which Black uh, is, and I mean, he he's an incredible rapper. Yeah, if you listen to like his uh, was his Alphabet Aerobics. Yep, where he's basically trying to see just it, it's about. Fast rap, right? Yeah. It's about trying to rhyme every, and speak very quickly and very every precisely. Every line, he he goes, and that's how fast he's he's rapping. Every line, the first word starts with a letter of the alphabet, right? And he he goes A B C D, and he goes in order. He does another one called Chemical Calisthenics, where he does the same thing only with elements on the periodic table. And it, but he's not nerd rap. It's not nerd hardcore thing. Right. I mean, it's just like like See, you said. And that's that's the thing though. That's kind of what what bugs me is I don't hate nerdcore, right? Right. Okay. right. I, I've, I've explained. You hate, you, know, you hate white rappers. I got it. <laughs> no, many nerdcore rappers aren't white. I mean, they, they're, don't get me wrong. There are white nerdcore rappers. Many, Boy, are there. <laughs> many, many nerdcore rappers are not white. In fact, some of the ones in this video I'll show you guys mm-hmm. when we're off the recording. You, obviously, you'll see they aren't white, mm-hmm. but the. Well, like I said, it's just I don't like the way that they... I think they try to be... Sure, they I try too hard. But what kind of gets to me is the fact that you have people like Del the Funky Homo Sapien, mm-hmm. and he takes on his Deltron 3030 right. persona, and you have these people like Blackalicious, mm-hmm. and you have these people that do this highbrow, science geeky sort of rap that was not nearly as on the nose with it's it. It's not heavy-handed. It's not yeah. as heavy-handed as what nerdcore rap is. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, if I was to pick one of the two, where I would tend to go just because, I don't know, it's just taste, right? I've got, yeah. I have nothing against any of these nerdcore rappers or what they're doing, but it's just personal taste. It's, I would much rather hear them cover these topics and do their yeah. thing instead of without, Pac-Man and without Mega sampling right. Pac-Man and Mega Man and Donkey Kong yeah. and, you know, whatever. Let me shallow up the pool here for a minute. Okay. I, I never really got into rap music. The guy with the gore all. t-shirt. No. Yeah, never really got into rap music. By the way, I, However, I love gore as well. I've seen him twice in when, concert. When I, was, when I was my first few years of college, um, I used to listen, you know, ironically, religiously mm. to Cypress Hill's Black Sunday. Yeah. I used to be able to quote that album front to back. Yeah. But there is a musician by the name of Tim Fight, F-I-T-E, who does a rap album called Over the Counter Culture, which I listen mm-hmm. to a lot. I love Tim Fight, especially his first few albums. Um, but then Third Bass. <laughs> I used to love Third Bass. Oh, I thought you may just got to Third Bass. And oh, man, no, I love, I love a little stink figure. But, <laughs> but, but Third Bass, the, uh, you know, Pop Goes the Weasel. I was like, it was yeah. my jam when I was a kid. So in debate camp, I actually had, I had a t-shirt there. It was an old Santa Cruz skateboard t-shirt. And it was a facsimile of Third Bass decapitating in a guillotine a facsimile of Mr. Vanilla Ice. Mm, mm. So there you go. There's my rap history for you. Yeah, that's good. My number three would be uh, most definitely. Oh my gosh. I I was trying to remember. It's like you and I are on the same one that one. I love third bases, Pop Go the Weasel. I I had to check who who wrote it because it's been a while since I've heard it because for some reason Pandora doesn't have it on circulation, Mm. but I listen to it all the time on LaunchCast. And yeah, it was. I was, so I was trying to remember, was it the same band? It was. Yeah, it was third base, Pop Goes the Weasel. I was a huge fan of that. I still am a huge fan of that song, too. So I'd have see, to hear it. I, I'm sure I've heard it. Pop, before. Pop Goes the Weasel, the Weasel. Goes Pop. <laughs> it's, you, it, you need the song. Yeah. The, the, it's fun. Yeah. I'm sure it was. 
Well, uh, as I was saying, my uh, my number three is Mostaf and Ta- Talib Kweli as uh, Black Star, and it was a seminal album in the '90s that at the time was totally ignored because in the '90s rap it was money and glitz, bitches and, and hoes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, bitches and big screen TVs and and all bling and all this sort of stuff. And what a lot of people who don't like rap associate with rap. Uh, it, it's just this sort of money, 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 no shallow sort of because Two live crew. <laughs> well, yeah, but so the, I, I have in my car as we speak as nasty as they want to be. <laughs> so black star, uh, most F and Talib Kweli, which probably mispronouncing his name. They came together, sort of a super band called black star and they did a really really good album and it was like consciousness rap before consciousness rap they were talking about some very real stuff and it was very slick and good in a style totally different than what was going on in the 90s you know all about the benjamins and all that sort of stuff that was kind of like the this sort of very plastic hyper produced completely unreal sound with completely unreal topics and it was just not a good time in my opinion for for hip-hop that's why i like uh dr octagon too dr octagon is cool keith now cool keith does a lot of theme albums that sounds like a superhero villain like an mma guy who juiced once too much so dr (laughs) octagon is a character okay in a theme album and it is a dr octagon ecologist and he is a gynecologist (laughs) who is a in the octagon half man Half shark, half ape, I think. Or no, he's half man, half shark, half, yeah, half ape, I think. But, you know, he's three halves. You know, it, it is a, it is, what would you call it? Porn core. Like, you know how I was saying, you know, you, you take the, the, the breaks out of stuff. You can take it out of jazz. You can take it out of video games. You can take it out of all kinds of stuff. He took his breaks for his Dr. Octagon album off of porn music. And it's, is very the humor in it is very puerile it's very silly it's incredibly absurdist and it was a rebellion against the incredibly hyper produced very plastic very glitzy glamoury and very clean sounding and i mean when i say clean sounding i mean like the the musically clean very you know crisp crisp sharp, sharp right. yeah sort of sounding hip-hop that was going on at the time. That's something else that's fairly common in rap, but not as common in other styles of music. And, and Gore is a great example of an exception. Gore yeah. is a great example of a lot where, of things. Where of in genius rock. in being genius musicians and genius comedians. Have you ever seen the Gore TED Talk? No. You should link that in the show notes. But, but with Gore, you know, they have the characters, they have the mythology... It's this entire backstory. Yeah, they have this this whole backstory. And that's something else that is a lot more common in rap than it is in, say, rock, Mm -hmm. which is that the rap artists will take on character personas based on the part of themselves they're trying to express. Probably the one that most people are familiar with would be Eminem, Mm -hmm. where... Yeah, his Slim Shady... His uh, Slim Shady character... When he's trying to really be honest and talk about himself, he raps as, as Eminem, Marshall, Marshall Mathers. When he's trying to be more absurd and he's talking about this really cartoonish violence and these ridiculous, you know, dark humor sort of things, he does that from the Slim Shady persona. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen one of his shows, but I've been told that on those shows, 
he actually does have at least minor outfit changes and such where like he'll put on a hockey mask and or whatever when he's doing the Slim Shady character who represents a different side of himself. And while that wasn't terribly common in gangster rap, that is common within hip hop in general mm-hmm. is to have these sort of persona that they lapse into based on because the fact is very narrative. I mean, once again, we we have to understand that it's it's history, even if it's gotten somewhat fuzzed and lost. Yeah, its history is in street corner poetry, slam right. poetry, things like that that had persona and that had you know uh, angle and had intention to it and such. And so, it's something that I think I guess when, when people are picking, especially mm. the styles of rap that Chad's more into. Mm. It's something you have to be prepared for is even the same rapper from album to album may not be doing not only not just the same style, but he'll be tackling different topics, might not even be, quote unquote, the same person. Cool Keith is a perfect example of this. Uh, He has an album. uh, God, I don't remember what it's called, but basically it's a Godzilla album. And it's really about a lot of the breaks and the the sound effects and the and the backing come from Godzilla movies, but it follows a story of the creature from Planet X type thing. It's actually one specific movie, and the album, if you buy the record, has punch outs where you can punch out these cards and like do these little standees of tanks and stuff, and then a, ta- a standee of the monster, and then like a standee of him at a DJ <laughs> setup. It, it, uh, it's, it's not that great, but it's still a, it's a fun album. I, it was one of those where like I listened to Doc Octagon and I liked it and I'm like, Oh, well I got to check out more cool, cool Keith stuff. And he's not accessible. His music, he's not trying to impress you. He's trying to say things thematically, and if you don't get it, that's your problem, sort of thing. But the real irony of it is a lot of it is very puerile and very lowbrow in its highbrowness. It's very, he's a very odd dude, very interesting. But if you want to talk about themes and stuff, there's an artist named Janelle Monet who I absolutely love her stuff. She's actually going to be in a movie about mathematicians at NASA in the during the the moon launch and about how the mathematicians were black women and about the racism and stuff and, and how they overcame and it looks like a really good movie but she did three albums that were all tied together where she played a character named Cindy Mayweather that was in the far future and Cindy Mayweather is a robot who attained consciousness and she broke the one law that robots cannot break. She fell in love with a human. And they have like these robot hunters, hunter squads that are hunting her. There's this album, there's this song about like, there's these rules. It's like, okay, you can't use, uh, you can't use firearms when you're hunting her down. You have to use chainsaws and electro blades. Happy hunting. And then it kind of goes into the, the hmm. thing. But it's all about like, the future and about how robots are bought and sold and then the neck and about how like she's running away and how she's in love with this guy. And then the next album is about like this robot underground and about this sort of rebellion that happens. It's like three different ones. And all of it is based upon the themes of Fritz Lang's Metropolis hmm. and it uses that thir- sort of 30s de- art deco stylings and stuff 
is really neat. And the videos are there. There's music videos for it, too, that have like robots and stuff in them. It's awesome. So I found out something, a little bit of rap trivia. I did not know. And this may be one of those I'm the last man to the party kind of things. Mm-hmm. But the, the song by Outcast, Ms. Jackson. Yes, is a true story. Yeah, it's a and true it's story. His, it's, it's directed Erica to Erica Pick. Badu. No, it's, it's Erica, Erica Badu's, Badu's mom, mother. Right, right, right. Yeah. The, the woman by which he has the kid, it's a, it's a true story, is Erica Badu. She's an artist in her own right. Quite and, a good one, too. Yeah, she's a good one. I Now, I will have to say that in the stuff she did with The Roots, when they brought back Jill Scott, who was the one that wrote her parts, mm-hmm. I actually like Jill Scott's performances better, but that's just personal taste. But uh, they, I was looking at an interview with Erica Badu about mm-hmm. that stuff, yeah. and apparently her mom loved it. Like They were asking, <laughs> like, how did she take to that song being the the... Ms. Jackson, mm-hmm. yeah. who is the villain of the song. Well, not that, exactly well, a villain. It's it's more apologetic. I mean, I don't know. It's it's complicated. Like like yeah, it's, it, well, you know, I'll give you that. It's complicated. It's very complicated. It's complicated. Yeah. But she was saying that her mom just totally owned it and like had like a Ms. Jackson <laughs> bumper sticker and like a Ms. Nice. Jackson vanity plate and mm-hmm. like I had like a mug and a pen yeah. and apparently would sign autographs in this accent. <laughs> That's fantastic. Awesome. But she apparently totally loved it. Like I said, I had no idea. I, I mean, I didn't know. I figured the song, as honest as it was, had to have some basis in reality, yeah. but I didn't realize precisely what that basis was, nor had I ever heard Erica Badu's mm-hmm. mom's commentary on it. Yeah. But she apparently thought it was great. Uh, so nice. I do with that what you will, but all right. Why don't we sign this one out here? And because we actually did have some role playing topics to talk about today, <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break, and I'm going to play that song for these guys, the uh, response to Alex Trebek, mm-hmm. and uh, then we will come back. And actually, I don't know. We may release these in reverse orders. Maybe the regular episode comes out first. But either way, you guys have a great week and great games and all that jazz, and uh, we will flow with you next time. That's right. <laughs> Thank you.